Hello, Scream Demons, and welcome to the Screams from the Basement podcast with Sam and Casey. This is a bi-weekly horror podcast in which two horror fans discuss all things horror, including news, recent watches, horror collectibles, and more. I am one of your co-hosts, Casey. And I'm Sam. And, and let's, let's get, get screaming! screaming. Woo! <laughs> we did not plan that part. I don't know how we're in sync with that part. Yeah, how did we both we woo at the end of that? We're just... We're brothers. We're we're in a mood today. I think that's what it is. Yeah, I think so. I think both of us are like a little loopy after a Monday. I think we are a little loopy, and I think we're a little loopy because we 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 have a secret that we've been hiding under our skin. Hell yeah. Yes, sticks. Um, <laughs> the secret that uh, we're gonna unveil at the end of the, no, not at the end of this episode. We'll probably just get to this right away, Sam. Um, yeah, is maybe maybe something we can give a little bit of uh, background on and uh, kind of explain uh, why why we're the ones giving away this this very cool news and information that is heading to uh, uh, our neck of the woods here in uh, Sioux Falls, South Dakota, um, because uh, we're yeah. going to announce the uh, the next guest to Supercon, uh, an event that is uh, near to us. Um, why is that, Sam? Yeah, so I mean, we've been running the Supercon Film Fest. This will be our third year running it together. Um, and you, I mean, obviously, Casey and I, we do a horror podcast. We're big horror fans. We like um, horrors. Yeah, yeah, we're horror. We're horror horrors. Um, <laughs> sorry, can we edit that out? No, we're no, not going it's, to. It's, it's funny, it's funny. <laughs> um yeah so obviously we're big massive horror people uh we've been kind of pushing supercon in a horror direction on our from our little neck of the woods just like pushing for more horror guests um because there's a there's a market here for it and we're we're pretty excited that uh we're we're bringing a guest that we have a little bit of personal history with um we interviewed this person Back when Casey and I were doing Backlot 605, uh, back when she had a, a new movie coming out called 10 Minutes to Midnight, which was one of my personal favorites of that year. I think it actually made my top 10. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know Casey really dug that one as well. And should we just say it? I think we should uh I think we should get right to it because like you said, yeah, we are we're the ones kind of trying to ooze uh uh horror into Supercon because yeah. I mean we're we're the living proof that there are horror nerds. Um as well as like comic book and superhero and Star Wars and Star Trek nerds. There's there's horror nerds like us out there that are um, oh, yeah. wanting to meet our our personal icons. And I think this uh this scream queen, this horror icon is one that uh, we have met virtually, and now we are excited to meet in person. Sam, Mm -hmm. who is coming to Supercon? Vanita Stretch Brock from Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2, herself, the incomparable Caroline Williams, will be coming to Supercon this October. Fresh off of her having a role in Renfield this year, which we're super stoked to go see. Um, and yeah, we're going to obviously be screening 
at least one Caroline Williams movie at our film festival. Um, maybe two. It really depends. We're still working out the schedule. But uh, yeah, yeah, we're pretty stoked. We're pretty stoked. Yeah, stretch from Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 is making yep. her way from Texas to South Dakota, um, heading to Supercon. Uh, this is going to be coming up in September, so you do have time to uh, plan things out and get your tickets and everything like that. So September 29th through October 1st, uh, Caroline Williams will be here in Sioux Falls, South Dakota at the uh, Premier Center uh, in, in beautiful Sioux Falls. Perfect time of the year to come and visit if people are listening from out of our, uh, kind of our area. It's a perfect time to come visit. Um, yeah, our it's neck like of the, the woods. sweet spot for weather usually. Like you can go out in a hoodie and it feels nice still. It's not unbearably hot. It hasn't reached the brutal cold that we're in right now. Yeah. <laughs> It is the uh, the perfect time to come to Sioux Falls, but uh, again, Caroline Williams' uh, stretch is yeah. coming to uh, Sioux Falls for SuperCon. Um, yeah, we could not be more excited for this. As soon as we 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 heard yeah. the news that she was a possibility, we're like, "Yep, let's 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 get her here" because we are uh, massive fans and and love and respect her work, um, and uh, cannot wait to uh, have her attend a, a festival that. Um, again, it's kind of near and dear to our heart. So Caroline yeah. Williams, man, super. So cool. show up to SuperCon to watch Leprechaun Three with Q and A with Caroline Williams afterwards. Hey, hey we're not we're not <laughs> ruling out Leprechaun Three. Baby. Can't rule out Leprechaun Three. We just can't. <laughs> we cannot. Um, I guess let's let's use that a uh, little bit of news as our yeah. transition to seller news for this podcast. This is a pretty oh, stacked. Yeah stacked a uh, past couple weeks for horror news mm-hmm. um not just uh like local stuff here to us but uh kind of in the grand scheme of things there's some big horror news um including uh that sean s cunningham uh is in the works to remake friday the 13th and house i threw house in there because i'm a big fan of the, of the first house movie i still have to watch house we will do it on this show we have to. yeah it's a, it's absolutely great... i i want to watch it i've seen it was on Shutter TV like mm-hmm. all summer, like last summer or something. So I've seen a lot of it. I love what I've seen. I've just never sat down and watched it from to start to finish yet. I can't wait to. It's a it's it's a wild movie. I'm excited to to hear that uh, it's not just about Friday the Thirteenth with uh, Sean. I'm glad that he's yeah. looking at at other properties that he has um, in his wheelhouse. So I'm glad that they're doing something with House. But the big obviously the big story is Friday the Thirteenth um this goes alongside the peacock series that we're getting to so we could have a uh, peacock tv series and a movie going into production at the same time which i think is very exciting news um we could potentially have two jason Voorhees on the screen at the same time Um, hey i'm all for it i'm all for it i i love it i think this franchise has been dormant for way too long i'll take it oversaturate Mm -hmm. the market Pump us full of Friday the 13th movies like Disney did with Star Wars until everybody got sick of it. <laughs> Give Ryan Johnson his Friday the 13th movie. Yeah! Have Jason throw the machete over his shoulder and walk away. <laughs> Somehow Jason has returned. I hope that's a line in the movie. <laughs> yes! Uh, oh yeah, my god. I, I'm, stu- I'm, I'm super excited for this. Uh, there isn't yeah. much else news besides that from, from you know, who's directing, who's writing, 
Um, if this is even in full production, it's just been uh, heavily speculated that Sean is working on something new with Friday the 13th, which is, uh, I mean, that's really cool. I think that's cool that, that uh, like you said, it's been dormant for uh, almost 15 years now. And all of a sudden, now that the rights issues seem to have been worked out, um, that we're, we're, we're on our way to some new Friday the 13th. We're heading back to Crystal Lake. Yeah. One of my favorite places in horror, that in Derry, Maine. That, yeah, yeah, yeah. Speaking of Derry, Maine, th- this didn't take place there. But transition the guy, though, transition though, yeah. transitions. Yeah, uh, the guy who wrote that, Mister Stephen King. You guys may have heard of him. Uh, yeah. There have been, uh, I didn't know this, Sam, until I I heard this new story. There have been ten previous. Children of the Corn movies, the 11th... Doesn't surprise me. <laughs> the 11th is on its way to theaters March 3rd uh, from Shudder and RLJE with it landing on Shudder later in the year. Um, this is a movie that was shot at the beginning of the pandemic. I remember uh, hearing about that. Um, it is from I think the, it's, the director I think it's gonna... of Equilibrium, which is, uh, yeah. is a movie. <laughs> I, I think like from what I've seen too from the still the few like stills that they've released, this definitely feels like someone's taking the children of the corn mythos and kind of stranger thingsifying it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I'm interested to see where this goes because I'm gonna be honest, this is not my franchise. The Stephen King story that these movies have spawned from, I love it. It's one of my favorite of his works. That that story scared the crap out of me for like a week after I watched it I just, or after I read it. I couldn't shake it. The movie, the first movie's grown on me over time. Specifically, watching it over at your house before Joe Bob one night was a lot of fun. <laughs> but uh, the sequels are all terrible. I know you just picked up a box set of them. But uh, I'm here to tell you they're they're all they're all bad <laughs> oh uh the, i mean the they're first... all just the worst <laughs> listen uh i am a i'm a massive fan of the first movie yeah um it is it's a horror movie that i've seen so many times um and i don't know why because it's not it's not a great movie mm-hmm. it's highly entertaining though um and i kind of just love the mythos of it and it's also like seeped into like iowa culture i feel yeah which is something like obviously you and i being from iowa i think the the idea of children of the corn even before i had seen the movie or knew it was based on a stephen king Mm -hmm. story i knew of children of the corn of creepy creepy kids coming out of a cornfield that's that's i obviously knew that and it's kind of something in iowa you just yeah it's in a way like you just know of of the mythos it's kind of funny, yeah, because like Stephen King is clearly not from Iowa. I don't even think he's ever lived in Iowa, but that story is very much like it's almost just become its own beast in Iowa. Like it's mm-hmm. got its own kind of folklore. People, I mean, and it's because there's cornfields everywhere, yeah. you know. I mean, like I, I I remember like going out to my grandpa's farm as a kid and just corn roast for miles, and at night. A place would scare the shit out of me. It's because it's you just don't place. know what's in there. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's it's crazy. Like, yeah. So I'm excited. Uh, I don't. I 
I'm going in with like no expectations whatsoever of this mm-hmm. because I just this could be good. It could be like all the rest of the sequels and you know whatever it is i'm kind of excited we're getting a new one um i like a lot of what rjle does with shutter um so i don't know this might be fun i'm excited for it i'm excited i'll i'll definitely check it out i don't know if i'll check it out we will probably won't even get it in theaters um but i i don't know if i'll check it out on vod this will probably be a wait till it's streaming on Mm shutter thing but when it's streaming on shutter yeah that'll be like a the day it's on shutter i'll probably watch it <laughs> if it if it hits theaters here i will i'll go check it out in the theaters yeah. for sure um i i fully expect it won't and i'm yeah. not one to pay the 20 dollar premium vod i haven't done it yet i'm yeah. not going to do it on children of the corn 11 um i'll just wait till it comes on <laughs> shutter otherwise uh i am excited this is to what watch we're going to call it children of the corn 11 <laughs> yeah i don't know if it has another name if it's just children of the corn or the yeah, children i think it's supposed to just be like a reboot type of thing and yeah. i'm like i mean all of these movies could potentially just be reboots mm-hmm. yeah there was one that came out yeah, I don't even know. Uh, we don't have to get into the history of this. No, um, <laughs> we'll, we'll save that for our Children of the Corn episode. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, but I, I, I will say every episode we always do like hint at something we want to do in the future. I don't think we need to yeah. do a full Children of the Corn series. Um, but you and I need to make a trip down to the Sioux City area to where the first movie was shot. Maybe yeah oh absolutely i would yeah. love to do an episode at least on the original maybe we can do like we like doing double features we could double feature the original with this new one whenever it hits shutter have something fun like that i don't know be on the lookout and while live on the <laughs> yeah be on the lookout scream demon something will be coming from children of the corn um oh, yeah. next piece of news that we got here um there is this many, is cool uh, this th- this is really cool um even and I say that as both of us were kind of lukewarm on this movie. Um, yeah. It is Barbarian director and writer Zach Krieger's next uh, next film, Weapons, um, had a major studio bidding war, which I'm like, I can't think of the last time of, of hearing like an original horror IP winning yeah. a, a big bidding war. Um, and it is won by the the house that Freddie built, New Line Cinema. So they uh, they pick up uh zach krieger's next movie weapons sam do you remember how much it was for it was a couple oh god yeah it was a couple million like it was a it was a decent number um and i want to say there were a bunch of benefits including he's got like final cut on this Mm -hmm. thing like they're giving him pretty much carte blanche to make whatever he wants next and you know you're right barbarian didn't work for me like and I know that I am 100% in the minority when I say, like, I, I just didn't like that movie. But what I can't deny is that that dude has chops. Mm-hmm. It was unlike anything I'd seen before. Yeah. I didn't necessarily like what it was giving me, but, like, there's there's no denying that it was a singular new voice in horror. And anything like that's going to turn my head. Uh, I'm stoked to see this. I can't wait to see what he follows up a movie like barbarian with you know mm-hmm. um and i'm also a fan of one like vague one word titles for movies and so yeah just calling your film weapons like 
that's really all I need. I don't probably think I'll watch a trailer because I didn't watch it. Well, no, I did watch the Barbarian trailer, but I probably won't watch a trailer for this one. I'm probably just going to go see it blind because I think that was probably the best way to go see Barbarian. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Barbarian's so. a, a movie I liked two thirds of, and it's the third in the middle I didn't. Uh, which yeah, I, I, think I would is agree super, with that. Like, I don't know. I, I can't think of many movies that are like that. Um, it starts and ends really strong. Everything in the middle is very yeah, not not my thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, I am super excited to see what he does next. Um, there was so much I did like in Barbarian. I still gave it like a three and a half out of five. I still dug the movie quite a bit. Um, the first half, especially that that first act of the movie, is man. Yeah. If, if the movie was it's my like favorite, just that, my favorite. Oh part. my god, it's one of the best. I don't know, 30, 35, 40 minutes of, of any movie this year uh, or of, of last yeah. year. Um, so I'm excited again with this, the success of Barbarian and the success of Smile. I think we're looking at kind of the next chapter of horror coming in where yeah. studios are looking at original ideas with some sort of hook that you can sell the movie on like, like Megan. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Where you can, yeah, you can sell the movie to audiences, even though they know nothing about it, no actors behind it, no Jordan Peele behind the camera. Um, I think that's a really cool place to to be in right now, and I think again, horror is in a it's in a really good place. So I'm just yeah. excited to see what Zach does next. Yeah, you know, I kind of hope that Parker Finn gets to leverage Smile for something similar. Yeah, because I think that movie just. Like I said, I'll, I don't think I'll ever watch that movie again because it genuinely just it messed me up. But God, it was it was definitely one of my favorites of last year. I really liked Smile. I hope uh, I hope instead of sequelizing both of these movies, like I don't want to Smile to, I don't want a Barbarian to. Mm-hmm. I want to see these guys do something completely new and different. Yeah. Um, yeah. I I I think yeah. This was this was a good year for like horror debuts, I think, in mm-hmm. general, because there are a few that I'm drawing a blank on right now, like the category on the Fangoria Chainsaw Awards, which, by the way, we didn't put it in the news, but the Fangoria Chainsaw Awards nominations came out. Uh, so go vote those, you know, have fun with that. Uh, we love watching those every year. So uh, yeah, I think we might talk. Well, maybe we'll do the like the winners or something when that when. Yeah, when we should do we yeah. should do a Chainsaw Awards recap. That would be fun um yeah so i i think that 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 like first feature category that they have where it's like directors doing a feature for the first time i think that's a pretty stacked category this year uh when i when i looked at it i haven't voted yet because there are still some things i need to watch um but yeah i was like i was like wow this is like this has been a great year for uh up-and-coming horror directors so uh 20 yeah 2020 2022 was a great year for for first time directors um yeah. and I, I think it's exciting to see what they do next um 2022 was also a year that i got uh really knee deep into full moon features <laughs> um, yes you did i did and my boy charlie band uh they just dropped some news here uh and it kind of relates to more of like when we talk about like our collectibles type of things because again with me getting into full moon heavily last year 
I I definitely have some Puppet Master figures now. Um, so this news here was uh, exciting to hear. Um, that Full Moon uh, has announced a uh, Full Moon Horror line, which is going to be a, a toy division, which they've been they've been doing uh, already. But now this is going to be more so kind of high end replicas and figures. Um, some of the things. The I, first high end thing that Full Moon's ever done. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> Um, no shade i mean that in kind of a fun good way actually yeah so the guy they tapped to to kind of head this part of full moon uh is the name rick ferris um and i did a little research on him he was the guy who who did like full moon's action figure line and stuff back in the 90s so like Mm. at the height of full moon um and so he's he's coming back into to the full moon family for this um and some of the things i i saw were were um a movie we should watch sam because i love it um demonic toys um Mm, i do want to check that one there's a spinoff series that uh charlie's working on now called uh is it oopsie baby i think is what it's called (laughs) it's like a baby doll but the the toy they've already announced to be part of this full moon toys is like an actual animatronic working interactive baby doll it's megan it's baby Megan. okay yeah it's yeah it's baby megan yeah who's girl chucky yeah 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 so Um, it's baby girl chucky yeah yeah (laughs) uh so i'm excited to see what what they do next um yeah i mean the, the stuff they've been putting out i i like um but there are plenty of like full moon franchises they haven't really done a whole lot with for like toys and collectibles and action figures and stuff besides like the obvious like puppet master that's that's kind of their bread and butter obviously but uh there are plenty of other ones that they could uh that they could do in the full moon catalog oh yeah for sure i'm not like i'm not even as massive a full moon person as you are like I'd, i'd say like i haven't seen a lot of full moon stuff but i know full moon stuff and there's so many iconic like they could they could make toys for days and mm-hmm. yeah yeah oh yeah that's yeah. gonna be pretty cool yeah definitely excited for that um yeah i'm excited to see what charlie has in store with these new toys but uh the last piece of news that we got here um uh it's a bit, bit of a downer bit of, bit of a downer to to kind of end on but uh um original wednesday adams actress uh, lisa loring uh, has passed away at the age yeah. of 64 um yeah we just kind of wanted to throw it in there because um obviously again we kind of talk about 2022 horror and stuff in the zeitgeist maybe no tv show bigger than wednesday and og yeah. wednesday adams um obviously a big part in shaping what every iteration of wednesday is after that oh yeah and, uh, i mean the adams She's the family blueprint. Yeah, and then they, I, and I think for both of us, I didn't religiously watch Adam's Family as a kid. That mm. and the Munsters were like always on TV Land, and so like if I f- was scrolling through the channels and you know it wasn't the Brady Bunch and it was the Adam's Family, I would yep. stick around and watch a little bit and stuff. But Sam, this is a uh, I think the Adam's Family is definitely more of up your wheelhouse and something uh, yeah. a huge inspiration to you with your you know comic strip and stuff. So. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when I did the ghoul fields, it was essentially like me being like, hey, I'm just going to do like a Monsters Adams Family style cartoon, essentially, um, because I grew up watching both of those. Um, I used to love them. Uh, I loved the black and white. I loved like even as a kid, I was a weird kid who was like, if something was in black and white, that was so much more interesting to me than any of the color movies that were <laughs> that were coming out. And so I I gravitated towards stuff like like uh you know the Munsters and the Adams Family, and I you know I grew up watching that. And I obviously watched like the Barry Sonnenfeld movies too. Um, Christina Ricci is just she's an incredible Wednesday. But like you can't deny that even like her look, her her her, maybe not necessarily like everything about that because she kicked it up a notch with the drollness and everything. But that original Wednesday design has completely like informed every other Wednesday going forward. Um, you just you can't mess with perfection. And Lisa Loring is just so cute and sweet in that like it's so funny because like she's wednesday but she's like the cutest wednesday she's yeah. the little like so innocent about lopping her doll's head off and i just i think that's something that only lisa loring br has ever brought to that role like we've never seen that since and uh yeah she's an icon she's an icon she brought one of my favorite characters of all time to life um i'm just i don't even know if there'd be ghoul fields without her so yeah we just wanted to give her a shout out on the podcast and uh you know send our condolences to her family and her loved ones and just know that her work is tremendous and lives on and is still very much appreciated by the horror community iconic yeah oh yeah iconic so yeah that's that's our seller news that is which which leads us to let's say good luck transitioning sam yeah i'm sorry i just got a transition because we ended seller news on a really bummer note um so we're just gonna move right into <laughs> what are you to be doing casey what have you been doobie doing recently i we well i know we watch velma but i actually mm -hmm. have other scooby-doo things that i've hey. been watching so like yeah yeah i actually i have been doobie doing things Cool. Isn't that crazy? That is crazy. Um, know what I realized we didn't do, and I we are terrible hosts for for doing this. We didn't <laughs> say what our actual topic is for this episode. Oh my not, god, not we still people, haven't. Not that people, you know, clicked on this episode with the title "Cabin Fever" and "Cabin in the Woods," and yeah, that's true. <laughs> don't expect us to talk about it. We're gonna talk about it. So, cabin movies is kind of our theme for this episode. Um, yeah, because, because "Knock at the Cabin" is coming out. Uh, yeah so we thought we'd tie tie things together with uh locking ourselves in a cabin cabin in the basement for for this episode yeah. cabin um, in the basement <laughs> so my my recent watch is i don't have a whole lot to be honest um, i don't have too many but i have a lot of new ones i'm excited about talking the for, so and i'll be quick about mine um, okay because i also stayed in the theme of cabin movies um i saw your letterbox yeah you've got some good stuff there yeah i'm in the mood for cabin movies the last couple weeks um <laughs> so i watched tucker and dale versus evil yeah great um movie. i've seen this movie so many times one of the go-to 
high school movie night movies, Tucker and Dale versus Evil for me. Um, this movie is so funny. It is so witty. It is perfectly on point for being a horror comedy and um, a satire of horror movies, especially like back the backwoods redneck type of horror movies or cabin in the woods type of movies um it is the perfect satire of that yeah uh i love this movie it is super funny the gore in it is incredible the teenagers (laughs) in it are just the worst insufferable horrible teenagers and it is so funny just hearing alan tudyk talking about how these teenagers are killing themselves uh the, the wood chipper sequence say, is still the, the funniest thing like i laugh so hard when he just like wipes the blood from his face you okay <laughs> <laughs> it's just like sticking out of a wood chipper mm-hmm. and he's oh my god it just the the comedic timing from him and tyler Levine or no what's his last name tyler something i don't know i don't know him from I can't think of anything besides. I think I just used the last name of someone I went to high school with instead. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, I, both of those two leads are just incredible. Yeah. Tucker and Dale is, you, I know you texted me. You were like, I wish we were talking Tucker and Dale um, instead of Cabin in the Woods. I feel I like love Cabin in the Woods. I feel like, like every time I watch Cabin in the Woods, I watch Tucker and Dale versus Evil because I just think it's the better version of what Cabin in the Woods is trying to do. Yeah. Spoilers for my thoughts on Cabin in the Woods, but well, that's okay. I mean, yeah, spoilers for my thoughts on Cabin in the Woods. I like it much more than Casey, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, the other one I have, and I'm not going to say anything else besides I watched it. I watched the Evil Dead re- remake. You love it. I know it's a five star movie for you. I gave it a five old banger. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah, we're we'll talk. We're Again, hinting at other episodes, we're we're talking about the Evil Dead remake in in depth at some point. Oh yeah, I I look forward to like actually. I don't think I've watched that one front to back in a very 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 long time. Um, yeah, it's so good. Yeah, I, I'm looking forward to checking that one out again. The Evil Dead Rise trailer kind of got me like in the in the headspace of like God, I should really give that one another go. Mm-hmm. So um, is that? That's all my recent watches. What about you? Okay, I have other uh, yeah, to be doing besides that, but I've got a few. Okay, so I thought you had watched this, but you must not have. You haven't seen Sick yet. No, I have not. Okay, yet, no. okay. So I'm gonna like obviously. I don't think we were gonna spoil it anyways because it's pretty new. But um, yeah, Sick is the new movie from. It's on Peacock. Yeah, it is Peacock. on Peacock. So it's on the cock and it's it's just a straight up slasher set in the covid pandemic um a little too i think we're still a little too close for this movie to uh to be here if that makes sense but that said Mm -hmm. i love this movie it's a slasher that's very much like kevin williamson wrote it it's very much indebted to scream um like right on down to like there's cell phones being used by the killer like taunting people and that type of thing um there's home invasion like the opening sequence is just incredible it's like it's a great cold open um that starts in a grocery store there's tension like everybody's masked up someone coughs and everybody's like 
looking at the person and they're like it's you know like instantly brings you back to that time where everybody was just paranoid might be a good or bad thing for certain people um but the whole sequence is just tense when when the actual stuff starts happening and like you you follow this guy all the way home and you know something's still not going on it's like oh and then it pays off really in a really brutal and and very satisfying fashion and then you're off with these like two other characters and you're just like oh okay they're going and quarantining out in this cabin in the middle of nowhere and then the same thing starts happening to them and where it'll go from there like i'm not gonna spoil it um it's just it's a tense tense brutal slasher with a chase sequence that takes up most of the second act actually and it's one of the best slasher like cat and mouse chase sequences i i love it um it rivals the one good sequence in i know what you did last summer and you mean the whole I, movie? yeah the no just the the chase well yeah i sarcasm sam oh wait 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 you're not talking the whole movie like sick you're talking the whole movie i know what you yeah we we disagree on that one <laughs> but yes <laughs> I'm a big Kevin Williamson fan. That's not that's not one of my favorites. But yeah, it, it's very good. John Hyams, the director, is just he and this this violence is like unflinching. It, it's it's one of the more go for broke slashers like that I've seen in a while. And for me, that was enough. It doesn't reinvent the wheel. It loses some steam. Like the third act is going to be very divisive. Um, I liked it uh it, it, execution left a little bit to be desired in the third act uh it, it, like i said it just loses a little bit of the tension during the killer reveal and the motive and all that kind of stuff it's like oh okay that's what we're doing uh but then when like once i had like distanced myself from the movie and thought back on it it worked a little bit more for me in hindsight so i don't know it's a very interesting movie very good slasher um, if you go into it just expecting to have fun with a tense, brutal home invasion knife flick, yeah, you're going to dig this. Uh, another first time watch. I finally got around to finishing the 1999 movie Idle Hands with mm. uh, Devin Sawa, Seth Green, and um, forgetting his name but he's in like the mighty ducks and the new daredevil move or the new daredevil series oh yeah one of the bash brothers Can't remember yeah he's name. Yeah, yeah he's the og bash brother yeah yep. yeah yep. and this Fulton is Reed. uh this that's not the actor's name that's the mighty yeah, ducks that's character. the name yeah <laughs> i don't know but yeah so th- those three it's it's total 90s comedy about Devin sal is a stoner who you know just doesn't do anything except for smoke pot and watch tv all day and uh he realizes one day that his hand is possessed by the devil and it's essentially just the hand scene from evil dead 2 stretched out to feature length and with a whole bunch of stoner humor inserted into it um some of this movie does not hold up well at all jessica alba is literally just in it to look pretty and be ogled um but I also kind of had a great time with it at the same time. It's very stupid. Uh, but it was fun. It was a good, like, shut your brain off and laugh for an hour and a half. Three-star horror comedy. So, yeah, recommend it. Idle Hands. Idle Hands. It was fun. Uh, 
one that I really recommend. I I hope you watch this one sometime soon. Uh, I finally watched one that I've been meaning to on Shudder, uh, an original, Who Invited Them? Um, and it's about this uh, this couple who they they like they've just moved into this very nice very rich neighborhood and a very nice house and they throw a housewarming party with all their friends um and in this opening sequence it just like throws you right into the party and you're getting all this information and like all these people that are at this party are like shit talking them like oh gosh it's just like they're throwing their money in our faces and all this stuff and you think it's going one way and then it's just there's this couple that just shows up and you can tell that neither of the the like two hosts know who these people are mm-hmm. like they did not invite them but they they're just there and they're mingling and it's just whatever they just kind of pass it off as the other one invited them and it's not until the party dies down and that couple is still there like everybody leaves and that couple is still like lingering they realize like oh neither one of us invited them so then they start telling them that they're the neighbors but there's just something off about it and this goes on and it's a very slow burn movie like you're just kind of sitting with it's just kind of a hangout movie for the first i'd say about like hour of it and then in the last 20 minutes it like kicks into like oh god this is what it's doing and there's not a lot of violence in this movie but when the violence gets there it's like it's shocking and it's effective and it's like oh god and the whole like the the motives the reveals like who are these people it's so great it's so much fun um i had a blast with it and then there's like a tag at like just an epilogue scene at the end of the movie that i just thought really knocked it out of the park landed really well sent me through the credit reel with a big smile on my face um just really really fun entertaining uh little thriller uh that yeah i i really recommend um if you especially if you like like slow burn stuff um with a little bit of a dark comedy bite it's yeah it's pretty it's pretty decent um sounds a bit like karen kusama's the invitation I've heard that comparison. I still need to watch that. Every every time someone recommends it, I'm like, I know. That movie feels like it would be it's like made for me. Yeah. I love Kusama. I love movies like that with that like kind of premise. Mm-hmm. I don't know why I haven't hit play on that yet. One thriller, and I know you've seen this one. One thriller, I won't talk too much on this one, but I finally watched Watcher with yes. uh, Micah Monroe. Holy shit. That movie left me shaking at the end. Like I literally, I finished it and I like, I reached for my coffee cup and my hand was quivering. I was like, oh my God, like I, I can't remember. Okay, never mind. It was Smile in the theater, but like, God, it, it takes a lot for a movie now to give me that kind of like visceral, like, oh God, I'm like actually shaking from that type of reaction and Watcher did that. Such a, it doesn't reinvent the wheel but it makes up for it with like some killer cinematography and some really tense set pieces. The train sequence, yeah. I was just like shaking my head the whole time going, no, 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 no. <laughs> Great movie. Great mm-hmm. movie. I loved it. Watch Watcher on Netflix. On Shutter. 
Oh yeah, Shutter. God dang it! Why did I say Netflix? I think there's a different. Watch... Wa- I think there's a different show called. There is. The, the it's Watcher. The Watcher. Yeah, yeah. Netflix, yeah. I think that's maybe where I where I slipped up. Um, and then I had two rewatches and then a couple TV shows. So my rewatches, I rewatched Red Eye for the first time in years. Uh, Wes Craven, early two thousands, uh, the thriller, like kind of action thriller, really. Uh, with Killian Murphy and Rachel McAdams. Casey, I know you haven't seen this one. I really want to do like a whole episode where one of the movies we talk about is this one because it's one of my, I think it's such an underrated Craven movie. Um, It's stylistically very different than some of the stuff he's done, which I think is why it gets overlooked so much because it's it's not really horror. It's definitely more in the like thriller category. But, oh, man, it's just two great performances from people anchoring this, uh, like, Rachel McAdams is on a plane, and it starts as, like, almost a rom-com. Like, that's what that's how the whole first act plays out, is, like, a rom-com. She meets Killian Murphy. They keep bumping into each other at the airport. They get on the, she gets on the plane. He's in the seat right next to her. And all of a sudden, the switch flips, and he's like, you're going to do something for me. Or my people are going to kill your dad. And like, and from there, it's just like white knuckle thriller all the way through comes so close to going off the rails in the third act, like very, very close, but it's Craven. So he manages to keep it at least slightly on track. (laughs) I love it. Um, And then I got really excited about the Caroline Williams news. So I rewatched Texas Chainsaw on massacre too, again, yeah, uh, I love that movie. Bumped it up from a three and a half to a four because I was I like I finished it. I logged on to Letterboxd. I'm like, what the hell is this only at three and a half stars for? <laughs> this is easily a four mm-hmm. star movie, and it might go higher, honestly, over the years. To be honest, I, I yeah, I love Texas Chainsaw Massacre too. It's great. It's my favorite of the series. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. I think it's I think it's probably my favorite too. Um, and then. I've just been watching a lot of Be Cool Scooby Doo. Mm-hmm. Have you yeah. watched this iteration of it? Mm-hmm. It's kind of like, yeah, it's it's. It feels weird to say like it's a more humorous take on Scooby Doo because like Scooby Doo's always been funny, but like it kind of reminds me of. It's not edgy adult animation, but it reminds me a little bit of adult animation, um, just in the way things are presented. Like it definitely feels like it's a comedy first mystery second mm-hmm. and uh i don't know i just like it it's a good shut your brain off one so that's the that's the scooby-doo stuff that i've been gravitating towards is be cool scooby-doo what scooby stuff are you not gravitating towards um we'll talk about it in a minute <laughs> uh and then yeah i watched I've, I've been watching the owl house which casey recommended yeah. to me and Casey's only watched like what three episodes of it? I think we've watched like yeah, the first like yeah. three episodes of this show. Yeah, you recommended it to me. You watched three episodes, and then I pretty much I'm almost done with the whole thing that's out so far. There's two more 44 minute specials that are part of the third season, which is also the final season. Screw you, Disney. Um, but yeah, the Owl House is fantastic. It's about this human girl Luz who ends up going into this realm that's populated by witches. And even though humans don't have magical abilities, she decides to train and be a witch with Ida, the owl lady. And it's like, seriously, one of my favorite things ever. I, I love it. 
I've been watching it almost nonstop since uh, since I started. So yeah, check out the Owl House on Disney Plus. I can't believe I'm plugging a Disney thing on this podcast, but I really am. Like I love it. It's great. <laughs> it's 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 in that same realm of uh, like Gravity Falls of like yeah. This is on Disney. Like they didn't pass and it ended up on Cartoon Network. Yeah, that's, that's cool. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. And I'm just I'm kind of obsessed with it right now. So yeah, the Owl House on on Disney Plus. Sam. Um, yeah. I forgot a doobie doing. You forgot a doobie doing. I forgot one because I didn't put it on Letterbox because it's a TV show. Mm. And it's Guillermo del Toro's Cabinet of Curiosities. Oh yeah, you caught that, didn't you? Uh, I still haven't watched that. We watched all ten episodes. Um, I thought for the first four or five that oh my gosh, we're gonna get ten like banger episodes. There are a few mm-hmm. I think that just don't work, but I think that's with any anthology. But uh, yeah. man, I gotta I gotta highly recommend the show for for everyone. Um, Sweet. It, it, you can tell the the Del Toro episodes. You can tell episodes that are like inspired by Twilight Zone. Um, yeah, there's just a lot of good mixture of different types of horror in this. Um, I'm just going to kind of run through each episode and give like a brief one or two sentences on it. Yeah. Uh, the first one is Lot 36, um, which is about the storage unit that is ends up being um owned by a person who is part of a satanic cult <laughs> so gets sold on like the storage wars type of thing you know where you buy a storage unit out of the blue yeah um, yeah and so uh yeah that that one was 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 great tim blake nelson is the lead uh as this oh nice racist prick um and he's so oh good. god he's, he's so good yep uh, he is the next one is called graveyard rats which is um about a grave robber um who ends up uh having to stop rats that are stealing the jewelry and the bodies that he's trying to rob uh and it goes weird a little crazy okay i'll leave it at that one of my favorites of of the of the show, but my my overall favorite is the third episode, the autopsy, um, which reminds me a lot of the autopsy of Jane Doe. Um, yeah, uh, I'm just gonna kind of leave it at that. If you like autopsy horror, I think that's another great one to add to that that edition. Um, the next the next one is uh, called the outside, um, which is from the director from uh, a girl walks home alone at night. I don't know if you've seen that one. It's a, I actually not. It's an Iranian the, Iranian vampire skateboarding. And it's movie. not it's not animated, but the poster has that like yeah. Okay, like yeah. Red and then a like black and white. Yep. Woman. Yep. Yeah. So I've wanted to see that one. I've heard it's very good. Yeah. Uh, this is like the Twilight Zone episode, where it's about this oh. woman who, um doesn't like fit in with like social norms of like what women should look like according to tv and movies so she mm-hmm. begins to use this cream that all her co-workers are using oh um and dan stevens is in this one and he plays oh. the like salesman of this cream on tv and he's he's so oh, great yeah. and it, he's the best part of it um dan stevens is the best part of like everything he's in <laughs> 
This next one is called Pikmin's Model, which is uh, based on uh, an HP Lovecraft story. Um, and all I need to say is HP Lovecraft combined with Crispin Glover. Yeah, that is all you need to say. I'm 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 sold on that. Yep. Uh, the, the <laughs> next the, the next one is called Dreams in the Witch House, another HP Lovecraft. Um, this one might have been my least favorite of the series. Um, yeah. If I was gonna say skip one, it'd be this one. It just doesn't fully work. Doesn't fully lean into the the Lovecraftness of it kind of goes mm. more into like it's about like ghosts and stuff and it kind of leans more disney channel than it does lovecraft with its representation of ghosts i guess i don't know yeah it wasn't my favorite of the series um one that is getting a lot of fanfare is the viewing uh panos cosmatos uh segment um he's a guy who did mandy correct yeah, yeah. yep um yeah that's maybe all i'll say okay <laughs> yeah i think that's all i'll say it's just the guy uh, the guy from mandy doing uh a segment of this where this this rich guy played by robocop himself peter weller invites all these other super smart people to like basically bear witness to something he found or came across um and then the last one is called the murmuring um is directed by jennifer kent who did the babadook yeah um, and this is great based, director based on a del toro story this is the most del toro of all of them um reunites se davis with uh jennifer kent um and andrew lincoln and they play a husband and wife that go stay on this uh island that only has this one house that they stay in and they take photos of birds but they realize that these birds are somehow connected to this house and okay. there's kind of a family mystery within their own and within the family that used to live there. Very Del Toro once you get to, to the end of it. Highly okay. recommend. One of my favorites of the of the show for sure. That's awesome. All right, let's talk about a bad show instead. Cool. Yeah, I don't think we need to go too far into no, it, right? No. We talked a little bit before. Like, we don't remember a lot of plot details about this show, guys. It's just blurring together. <sighs> Velma. Velma. Episodes, yeah. what is it? Three through six? That three through out? six, yep. Okay. Um. Yeah, I don't have much else different than what we said when we talked about the first two episodes. The tone of the show is still the same. The characters yeah. are still just grating and not what I would want. A lot of groan-worthy humor. Um, I still don't think it's very funny. I still think the biggest laugh-out-loud moment I've gotten is fred's dad selling ascot the, the ascot commercial i still think that's the funniest thing um it's but, funny after, but the mystery after is these... starting to unravel yeah yeah i i i actually like one sixth of this show i thought episode six was at least it felt the most out of this entire series like it was kind of trying to be a scooby-doo show Mm -hmm. where it was trying to introduce the mystery the characters are starting like you can kind of start seeing like where they're maybe going with the mm -hmm. characters unfortunately i think we're going to get to a satisfactory point with the characters at the end of the season but because they butchered the first half of the season so far 
I don't think we're going to get a season two. I think, I think, I don't think we're going to get a satisfying payoff to these character arcs that they're setting up, um, which is only a detriment further to the show. Mm -hmm. That said, I kind of am with you now where there is one thing that's really keeping me going. And honestly, it's Fred. Like Fred's really fucking funny in this (laughs) show. I love that Velma gave him the feminist mystique to read. And now he's finding the inner beauty in everybody, mm-hmm. but he's still doing it in his douchey Fred way. Super <laughs> condescending way. Like he's such an ass about it, but he's trying to be a better person. Mm-hmm. And it's really funny. Like it feels, I think what I like about Fred is that it's not that it's, it feels like Fred. It's not that it feels like Scooby-Doo. It's not that it's even particularly good. But it feels like a dumb B plot on mm-hmm. Sunny that I would be laughing yeah. at. You know what I mean? Like that's that's where I'm at. I'm like, well, it it's still I, not good, but it's at least giving me some laughs. Whereas like any time I'm spending with the other characters, I'm not laughing. And that's an issue, I think. Yeah. Because you're com- supposed to be laughing with all of them. It's an adult comedy TV show. It's an mm-hmm. you know, we are supposed to be laughing throughout this. Um, I think Fred is the one that going into this show, I was expecting the whole show to be where he is still f- underneath the surface. He's still Fred Jones. Yeah. But he's Fred Jones turned up to 11. Yeah. Whereas everyone else doesn't feel like the classic Scooby-Doo character at all. Whereas yeah. Fred's, Fred still holds kind of the core elements of who Fred Jones is. Uh, there's a character. It's I like Glenn Dab- Howerton is taking what Freddie Prince Jr. did in the live action movies, and like you said, he's cranking it up. Yeah, because everything he's doing reminds me of that scene in the first live action Scooby Doo movie where Fred's like trying to console Velma, and he goes, "No, no, no, I'm a man of substance, and dorky chicks like you turn me on too." Yeah. <laughs> And that's like that's what Fred's character is in this in this show, and that's yep. hilarious to me. <laughs> There's one I think Daphne's getting closer as we're moving on. She's getting better, yeah. Um, she at least has she has really the B story in this entire series of mm-hmm. like figuring out who her parents are, which is a when the payoff happens in these episodes, it's awful and grown yeah. worthy. And it's it, it's it's very anticlimactic and like kind of just like oh it's like you're and already drag- set up a you're already a dragging mystery? the scooby gang through the blood or through th- through the blood yeah through the blood yeah. and the dirt why, why are you dragging Cav- captain caveman into this like leave him out of it what'd he do yeah i so that was one thing that was kind of weird is like all of a sudden there's all these other hanna-barbera characters popping up mm-hmm. and that was really jarring for me because i'm like like Scooby does that, but like this show doesn't feel appropriate for introducing all the other Hanna Barbera. Well, yeah, and it doesn't right? feel like there's any purpose to it other Besides than just the reference. Have them. Yeah, yeah, like because the Jetsons were in the hospital and like they were having a baby, and I'm just like, why though? Like, what doesn't the amusement park have like a a cutout of Fred and? Uh, yeah wilma like maybe yeah, that's the yeah. preview the for the next episode are, yeah the flintstones were in it at some point like there was a flintstone thing yeah. there's yeah there were it's the jetsons dumb. showed up captain caveman showed up 
and that now you've got like you're you're doing more with the drugs being called like jinkies and whatever and the biggest you also have you also have scooby being a government brainwashing program i'm like what like what and then the the worst thing was the line afterwards well what does scooby do and i'm like oh okay yeah. i almost i, almost I know that show you have off and been like we're done like i know you have writers that are better than that like you have writers who are do they i'm making what's this happening, show i think what's happening is the i don't know i hate to use the term lazy writing but that's what it feels like. Oh, yeah. Like, and I know writing a show is hard. I am not denigrating the work that these people are putting into it. But like, that's just the lowest hanging fruit. Why mm-hmm. would you go? But that's what they've been doing like the whole time. Yeah. And so I don't know. I still wouldn't recommend this show. But at least yeah. now I'm kind of like invested in certain aspects. Like it's not. I'm invested in the mystery. And yeah. I'm, but I'm not invested in any of the characters, whereas any other Scooby Doo thing, I can't think of yeah. anything else where I'm like, I could give a shit less the about the mystery, yeah. but like, I love the characters. You want to hang out with the Scooby? Yeah. yeah. And th- I think that's the biggest cardinal sin of this series is like, you can make the Scooby Doo gang flawed. Like, I think Mystery Incorporated does a very good job of that. The, the animated kind of darker TV series. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that does a lot of the things that Velma is actually doing, but I think it does it better because the characters still have that, like, like uh, an accessibility to them. Like they're still, they're still the characters. They're still likable characters. And I, I think the issue is like, aside from, I guess I wouldn't even call Fred likable <laughs> at this point, but like, you know what I mean? I, I just, I don't enjoy spending time with these characters especially Norval. I really like He's I don't the worst. He is the worst. I don't like And he was the one I was the most excited for cuz how do you get Sam freaking Richardson to voice Shaggy and have it be that boring? You know? Shaggy's the worst in this show. He's he the is. worst and I hate him and on the screen every time he shows up. I don't want him there. I'd rather just Daphne They Fred don't know what to do with him. No. They have no idea what to do with him. And it, it it's a bummer. It's starting yes. to really bum me out. It's starting to really like yeah. uh, like the rest of the show. I'm like I'm starting to vibe with at least a little bit. Like I'm I'm tuning into its wavelength at least. So it's not like oh god, I'm just hate watching this. You know, I'm like oh I am 100 percent hate watching. This just gonna show watch <laughs> this for what it is. You know. Yeah. And if I don't like it, I don't like it. If I do like it, hey, at least I liked something. I mildly enjoyed episode six. So yeah. it hey, gets we we have what four more episodes to go. One more time yeah. doing this on the podcast. That I'm ready to be done with it. Let's yeah, let's move on. Yeah, go. It's awful. Yeah, and hopefully the next Scooby Doo thing that comes out, we'll both really enjoy. Yeah. Hopefully we have another like trick or treat Scooby Doo that comes out soon because yeah. God, that was such a fun one. That was. Um, so. Do you have anything else for Doobie to be doing? No, I got nothing. Okay, I'm gonna throw out my uh, uh, um, other things besides watches then quickly. Cool. Quickly, quickly. All right. First up, uh, a new movie I picked up. 
well, two movies. Um, I picked up the Vestron, mm. a two-pack of The Dentist from Brian Usna. Um, I've been picking up pretty much all the horror Vestrons because, I don't know, for me, boutique movies, I'm not going to pay like 40 bucks for. But Vestron is But Vestron, like, these are like $13. Yeah. Heck yeah, I'm gonna pick that up. Um, and they do a Hell great yeah. job, and tons, tons of special features in it. This is, um, it's definitely the most like affordable boutique label that you can get. Yeah, Vestron movies. Um, I've seen the first dentist, like liked it a lot. Um, I'm a big Brian using a fan. Um, I haven't seen the second one. I am excited to check it out. So, uh, yeah, I'm I'm excited to watch the first one again and watch the second one. They're they're fun movies. Yeah. Um the next one I was super stoked when when I got this. Yeah. Um so I walked into to our local comic book store Rainbow Comics and there just sitting on a table was this box with Mr. Frederick Krueger on it. Um and it is a NECA Freddy Krueger a Nightmare on Elm Street accessory pack. Uh specifically Nightmare on Elm Street 3 Dream Warriors my favorite of the series. Um, so I'll show off some of the things that were in there. It came with two Elm Street signs. Um, so like this is like oh yeah, just a normal street sign, and this is like the oh the nightmare one, the nightmare yep. dream world Elm Street sign. So those are cool to have. That's so cool. Uh, man, I got a kick out of these when I open them. Um, this is the uh, Welcome to Primetime Bitch, the TV yep. Freddy Krueger. Um, oh, dude, that's dope. Comes with the Freddy head with the the, the rabbit ears sticking out and the, the giant yeah. arms. I don't know who I'm going to put in there. And it also has like a thing I can hang it on my wall. Oh, that's awesome. So you can make an actual display. This thing is just massive. Um, and it also has the... Freddy oh. worm, as you can see, like, oh. this is bigger than my head. Yeah, dude, that's nuts. It's giant. Uh, the head does move just up and down. That's so cool. So, um, like I, I already have the NECA Freddy from yep. Part Three, and having him like next to this is incredible. I was like a kid in a candy store. Oh um, yeah, I bet, dude. That's awesome. Getting this, so this is super cool um i don't really have a whole lot of like accessories with the figures i have so as soon as i saw this i'm like yeah i need this this is coming home yeah uh with me so uh yeah i i'll, I'll probably pick up more of the neca like accessory stuff for other things i know they're doing like all the universal monsters are getting like accessory packs i'm like man that's a lot i want them though they look cool so hey, yeah Whatever makes you happy, man. You got to do it. Got to do it. Even if it's just spending money on toys. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I mean, nothing has changed since I was a child. I just don't buy yeah. Star Wars toys anymore. It's Freddy Krueger stuff. Yeah, it's yeah. fine. It's fine. Uh, But that's it. That's all I got for, for Doobie Doing. Sweet. Cool. So now we've got our main topic, which I'm actually really excited to talk about. Like, I'm excited to talk about both of these movies, but weirdly enough, like, I'm excited to talk about the one that I think I liked less more. 
Okay, interesting, interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so the the movies we are going to be talking about, we've got Cabin Fever, because we're staying at a cabin mm-hmm. in the woods, so we're talking uh, 2002's Cabin Fever, and the date I'm putting on it is 2012's Cabin in the Woods. But Yeah, I think it was. Yeah, that's when it was finally like released and stuff, I think. I've seen 2011, but it yeah, was like shot it, in 2010, and I, yeah. It was kicked around a lot. It was very much like a trick-or-treat situation. Yeah, it wasn't it was. until Hemsworth was like a big Thor star that they were like, oh, maybe we can put this out and people hey, watch Thor's it. Hey, Thor's in a movie that we made. Let's release it. And to be honest, I watched it mainly because I was like, oh, it's a horror movie for, uh, that was co-written by the guy who did The Avengers starring Chris Hemsworth. I was like, mm-hmm. yeah, I'll watch that. And I gotta say... I love this movie. That's it's one of my favorites. You want to start with that one, Cabin? Uh, sure. Because I feel one? like Cabin in the Woods. Yeah, Cabin in the Woods. I feel like this one. Like, here's the thing: Cabin in the Woods to me is like a five star banger. I I know you don't, but You're I a love crazy this movie. Person. I love this movie with my heart and soul. I like, but it's also it's not a discussion heavy movie. I don't think um it's mm. i don't know yeah there's Maybe not like a, a ton of deep themes in this movie so yeah, yeah. it's just i mean it, it's i mean there's not in cabin fever <laughs> either but yeah but i don't know there's just something about cabin fever that's stuck with me for cabin, a while so so cabin in the woods the first time i watched this was yeah let's like, do like, that let's do history with it like you said um Knowing that Hemsworth is in it, written by Joss Whedon, uh, it was definitely after Avengers had come out that I watched this yep. movie. Uh, it was at a movie night, and we're like, let's just find a horror movie that's streaming that sounds kind of cool. And so we came across Cabin in the Woods, probably on Netflix. And we all put it on. And spoilers throughout this. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, as soon as Hemsworth takes the motorcycle and drives off the cliff and hits the wall, we yeah. all turned on the movie to hating it. Really? Yes. Why? It is not the movie we wanted to watch that night. And so I always had that bad taste in my mouth because we were looking for like an Evil Dead type of movie. We were looking for the yeah. movie that this movie satirizing. Yeah, I get that. I get and that. So as soon as that happened, we were like, yeah, what's 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 going on here? This isn't what we wanted. Um, but I've gone back and rewatched it and I kind of fluctuate every time. But uh this time was positive, but not like not glowing. Not glowing. Yeah. I get I think that. I'm on a different wavelength than most people with this movie. I think I think it's funny. I think we're probably going to like almost flip-flop opinions on these movies cuz I feel like that's how I am with like Cabin Fever where I very much Yeah. We'll talk about Cabin in the Woods first though. We'll get to Cabin Fever. What am I doing? I'm getting ahead we're, of myself. We're on different opinions. I know yeah. I know that already. Yeah. What was the yeah. first time you watched it? This so, time? the first time I watched it, I like suck I I I I seek this out on DVD. Um the minute the day that it like came out i was like okay i'm gonna go get this i'm gonna i'm gonna buy it i'm gonna go watch it and i did i went out to target picked it up brought it home watched it did not like it 
I was like, I was, that was a waste of 15 bucks. Like I, I was like the ending soured me. It was like, mm-hmm. where did that even come from? What is like, but then like, as I went on, I was like, God, there were things I really liked about it. Marty. Um, the he's, best part of this. Movie. He's, he's the, he's like maybe my favorite slasher character of all time. I love Marty. He's great. Um, so I rewatched it about six months later and it clicked just like everything worked. I was like, Oh my God, the script is not necessarily smart, but it's more clever. It's more, it, it, there's more setup in the beginning than I gave it credit for initially. Like essentially Marty tells you in the first act exactly how this movie's going to end. Like, they're talking in the van and they're like, Oh, is society, is society crumbling Marty? And he goes, no, society's filling in the cracks. Pretty soon. There's just going to be nowhere left. Society needs to crumble. And they like rolls his joint. And like on first watch, you don't think anything of that line on second watch. It's like, God damn, he's telling you exactly what's going to happen by the end of this movie. Like, He's telling you exactly the thesis of the movie. And I just, I don't know. I think it's, I think it's fun. I think it's fun getting there. Um, I love the Hemsworth scene where he gets. Oh, I think it's knocked out of, now. Yeah. I think it's like the, I think it's one of the best scenes in the movie. Cause it's just so shocking. I've seen it. I, I've seen it countless times, dude. And every time that scene happens, I still gasp a little bit. Oh. <laughs> it's like, Oh shit. Like, <laughs> Um, yeah, so I mean, my history with it is, yeah, I did not like this movie the first time I watched it. Watched it the second time, I loved it. And there was actually, there was one, I want to say it was like the October of 2013. I'm pretty sure I watched this 31, actually over 31 times in the month of October, because I watched it every day in the month Why? of October. Why? Because I love it. I loved it. And I was a crazy weird person. person back then. Yes. Back then? Um, Oh yeah, I don't do that kind of <laughs> shit anymore. Though I like, I can't watch the same movie 15, for thirty-one days 15 straight. Fifteen times in a month, not thirty-one. Yeah, yeah, it's like every other day, not every day now. Um, but yeah, no, I, I did. I, and there, there was one day I vividly remember. Like, I watched this mid-afternoon because it was when I was working nights at Schwann. So, like, I just all day. That's all I did. I just sat and watched movies, and I'd get up and go do my night shift <laughs> and uh one day I, I watched it mid-afternoon and all of a sudden my friends are texting me to come hang out and i went over to someone's house and they're like what are we gonna watch and one of the only dvds they had was cabin in the woods and i watched it twice that day and i loved it <laughs> i just yeah man this movie this movie doesn't get old for me i i watched this one at least once a year um mm-hmm. so yeah yeah, that's that's kind of my history with Cabin in the Woods. It grew on me over time. So okay, so the movie opens with uh, we we get Bradley Whitford uh, and and Richard Jenkins um, as the, like the the two employees of the this kind of, this of facility facility this underground organization that manufactures basically horror movies to happen in real life to appease the the gods the these unknown entities that they're trying to to please um i think these two have have really good chemistry i think they're both really funny 
Um, maybe Bradley Whitford a little bit more than Richard Jenkins, but I think that it's kind of the dynamic that they always have. That yeah. uh, Richard Jenkins tends to play more of a of, of a straight man, even if he's in a comedy. Oh yeah, but he's yeah, also very sure. still very 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 funny anytime he does it. Yeah, dry and sarcastic. Yep. And, yeah. And Bradley Bre- Whitford's kind of the goofy one, like goofy slime ball type. Yeah, yeah, he's the <laughs> he's Eric <laughs> my... from Billy Madison, one of the best villains of the nineties. Yeah. One of my one of my favorite Bradley Whitford moments is when he's when he's like lamenting about about Dana. He's just like, God, sometimes I just I think I find myself just rooting for strength and the power. I just really respect. it. Tequila. tequila is my lady yeah. <laughs> i just that that like delivery is so perfect it cracks mm-hmm. me up every time yeah um yeah yeah man the, so yeah like the opening they they're having like a totally mundane conversation that like any two co-workers would have mm-hmm. um <laughs> like bradley Rip- whitford's complaining because his wife is childproofing all of his cabinets and like they're driving through this on, on this like little golf cart through a facility and he's mm-hmm. like you know so are you gonna come over this week and help me liberate my cabinets are you even listening to me title card jump scare like big old shriek sound effect and from that moment i'm just i'm hooked into this movie because it just it catches you off guard the first time it caught me off guard and i was like i don't like that because it's like weird there's like there's yeah. the I still the like, don't li- I still don't like it. No, you no, still don't. I, I still don't. I don't think it works for me. Um Okay. Makes sense. It, it cuz it doesn't make sense to me. Like you know what I mean where like they yeah. are having this mundane conversation, boom, title card, cabin in the woods, scary music. I get what they're going for, I guess, but it, like I don't yeah. know, it just doesn't totally totally work for me. Um and then when you get to the kind of our, our our teens but college age uh yeah. main characters our college kids yeah um god i hate all of them they're um, all but they're all playing like caricatures they eventually are and that's my biggest i think that's my biggest problem with this movie marty is okay you can all you can sort of see the characters that they're portraying or or that we're perceiving as an audience marty especially um out of all of them because he just rolls up and he's already smoking (laughs) um he's got the coffee mug i was gonna uh, say his bong this is the best thing ever his bong folds down into a coffee mug and it's the funniest thing and one of the best payoffs of the movie um but the problem i have is he's the most three-dimensional character and yeah. it's not that that's a problem. He's the final boy. It's yeah, it's that everyone else is so goddamn boring. I think they that's are in kind of by design though. Like that, but that's my okay, so so my yeah, my problem is that they should be interesting in the beginning and have like very distinct characteristics and characters and motivations. But as the movie goes on, that devolves into the stereotypes. And that's what the yeah. movie is trying to present. 
but we don't know anyone before they like start pumping the gas and stuff into the cabin and we get hemsworth as the the jock and the his girlfriend as like the slutty blonde and the the virgin final girl and the well because when the, we the when... book smart guy all we get is 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 dialogue and i'm a yeah. show don't tell person the movie straight up tells you oh they've never acted like this before i'm like i don't know that because i've never seen them act any other way besides that yeah but that makes i mean here's the thing with the way it plays out i get what you're saying i think it's i think it's a catch-22 because if you add stuff in before that of like oh this is how the characters are and then all of a sudden you like you see them it takes some of the mystery out of it i like slowly revealing through through like the the conversations in the control room how like you find out that they're dosing they're making her the dumb blonde because of the hair dye you know they're doing all these different things if you i don't know i just i don't know if adding more would ruin the pacing of the movie a little bit but i also like i don't disagree with what you're saying does that make sense mm-hmm I think I think no matter what, there's there's going to be a problem with that execution a little bit because I I agree like I I know I give this five stars but I give a lot of imperfect movies five stars because I'm like I, I mean I, I'm I mean passionate. Our, <laughs> our, our our final girl Dana um who I she's so boring in this movie I'm sorry she's just <laughs> I think she's boring. funny she's so boring um again it's revealed at the end when sigourney weaver comes in and we need the virgin and she's like virgin like yeah we make we make do with what we have with what we have open the movie with her like sleeping with a guy yeah that actually because they do like they mention the college professor thing so like you know like okay she's obviously like not like oh innocent i don't know what i'm doing type of thing you know Mm -hmm. but yeah yeah i get what you mean i get what you mean yeah this movie is not show don't tell that's not this movie it it really isn't um and i will which is a very joss whedon drew goddard thing which whoa okay hey don't you go be going for my boy drew goddard joss whedon fuck that guy but Drew Goddard made gave us one of the best movies of the 2010s in Bad Times at the El Royale. Oh, I never watched that, but oh, it's so good! It's so good. I love it. I'm also I feel like I'm in a minority on that one, but it's tremendous. I love it. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Yeah. Characters I don't like in this. Uh, okay. <laughs> but Marty, I think he is the best written, and he's got I a do- husband's bolt. <laughs> I, I love that he's he's the character that figures everything out, and I kind of wish the movie just ended with just him. I wish he was the final guy. I wish we didn't have a final girl, and I think that would have fit the movie and subverting our horror expectations already. Of, yeah. We already expect the stoner is going to die at some point because the stoner never lives. Also, the guy never lives. We need to... Do you think like subvert that, killing that's what the Dana down in the like? 
because I think Dane is an integral part of the third act right up until I don't know I think when the werewolf attacks her she could die at that point mm-hmm. and I don't think it changed the movie much yeah. that said I don't mind the little interaction they have right before everything ends I think it's kind of great yeah. I also um, don't love the ending so I guess that oh, leads okay, into so. why I think it's okay for her to die Okay. See, I oh man. I think the ending is one of the strongest parts of the movie. But I'm also like I'll admit that as I've gotten older, I've gotten much more nihilistic where I'm like, God, it would be nice to just like have a giant hand come down from the sky and just like I just don't know if humans need to <laughs> like this movie's thesis is very nihilistic, but I'm also like, it's got a point. Like it's a little bit like the sam jackson in the kingsman movie it's like it's got a point mm-hmm. doesn't <laughs> mean know? it's right but it doesn't mean it's right but <laughs> yeah yeah the, I, okay I... there's there there's a scene especially when i was in high school and watching this the first couple times we watched it um mm-hmm. there, there's a couple of things that really stand out is like these are the scenes aimed towards that high school audience uh, especially with Chris Hemsworth's girlfriend. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. She does does the she's dance. there for just eye candy? Um, does the dance with like the 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 wolf on the wall? And I'm like, this is. See, I okay. Can I say something though about that scene? It's awkward, but it's intense. Okay, so here's here's my reading of that scene. This is before like the the door blows open. This is before you really know anything about what's happening in that control room. And the way that that wolf head is framed before she, or and even as she like approaches it is very menacing. The way that scene's lit, the way it's staged, blocked. I still to this day watch that sequence and think a wolf's going to come alive and bite her fucking face off. And I don't know if that's just like a weird reaction that I personally have or if they meant for that to be the case. But every time I watch that, I'm like, oh, my God, like this is going to be the time. It's like when I was a little kid and I was, you know, watching The Lion King and I'm like, no, this is going to be the time that Scar wins. So I was rooted for the Disney villains. Um, Makes sense. And why that's you like what, this ending. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so that's but that's how I feel watching that scene is like it's like. There's a little bit of like titillation where it's like, oh God, like she's, you know, doing hot stuff, dancing with a wolf or whatever. But it's also like very unnerving and gross because you're like, ew, that's a dead wolf head. Mm-hmm. And then it's also scary. I don't know. That scene works for me on so many levels. I'm just like, mm. it's weird. It, it feels out of place in the rest of the movie, I think a little bit. But I also wouldn't take it out. I'm like, no, that's kind of a, it's just a dope scene. It's just a dope scene, in my opinion. I like that one. Yeah. I don't. I get why you don't. I don't. I think it's <laughs> it one is. of the most. It's uncomfortable. It's, it's not even uncomfortable. It's just awkward. And it's like, why is this in here? I don't get anything out of the scene at all. I just don't think you it You don't adds. get anything out of Marty calling it a moose. <laughs> Okay, that's funny. But like he could have just <laughs> gave that line at any point. Um, also, okay, so there's another thing: the the, the two way mirror. 
Do we ever mm. get a payoff with the two-way mirror? No. Okay. All right. To the basement. <laughs> to the basement. I just I bring that up because they spend everybody so much dies. Time, they spend so much time on that two-way mirror, and there could have been something to build some tension in this with that two-way mirror, and they just don't ever do anything with it. I think the two-way mirror does its job, though, because it's the first thing that they notice when they get to the cabin, and it's the first thing that tips them off that something might not be quite right there. You know what I mean? And I don't I don't necessarily know if it needs a bigger payoff than that. Mm. I think it just delivers that important information. I think it's one of the few times that the movie actually does show and not tell. Um, yeah. True. Yeah. So... I'm sorry, I'm just playing devil's advocate with you, I, I guess. Know. Like <laughs> uh okay, so I I I like the basement stuff, especially the payoff to it later, where it's it's I mean it's the basement from Evil Dead that they go into. Yeah. Instead of reading from the, the Necronomicon, they they read this what is it, a diary? It's a diary from like the little zombie girl. Yep. And there's a million other things. Each of them are holding something that could unlock a certain evil um including the conch the, with the mermaid including the mermaid uh which which has a great payoff i think it's one of the best joke payoffs in the entire movie is oh is, yeah is the setup of the mermaid throughout the entire movie i think it's yeah. one of the best jokes and payoffs of the movie and the reveal of it like the suit the, the mermaid on design is yeah. like actually terrifying and then when he starts eating bradley whitford and like all the blood starts coming mm-hmm. out of the blowhole on the yeah. back i'm like so oh funny. that's such a gnarly effect <laughs> i love it <laughs> and the uh the unicorn stabbing the uh oh, it's lab tech is just fantastic oh i love this movie the third act is so fucking bananas yeah the third act is great when you you figure out what's going on and all hell is is unleashed uh that is easily the best part of this 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 movie and really like lives up to the premise of the movie and the full potential of it um and again not to be just harping on the things i don't like that's why the first half of this movie just doesn't work as well because i do really like the second half Mm -hmm. where I, i wish the energy was still up there in the first half of this movie okay to balance it out whereas i feel like it is very back end heavy okay i could see that i could see that i think marty carries me through most of this movie to be honest i do think he's the the best part of that first half i do think there's a little bit of a like i will admit there's a little bit of a lull when you think he's dead Mm -hmm. like after he gets dragged into the hole and like dies um just because he's not there to give that like kind of spark of like levity which maybe that section of the movie doesn't necessarily need that but it's a horror comedy have levity through the whole Mm -hmm. thing you know um i think the movie picks up again like i think the movie fucking floors it once he uh once he comes back into the picture and then doesn't let up until the end and that's that's where like that movie for me really hits its stride and in my opinion pays off a lot from like the first two acts that i i appreciate but yeah i i i understand where you're coming from on this i'm kind of glad that we finally did an episode on this movie because i know we've like briefly talked about it 
but like it's good to actually hear why you have bad taste instead of just <laughs> just loving it yeah yeah <laughs> and like some of it and i've been on the side of like oh this is a great horror comedy where now i'm like very lukewarm on it and it's yeah. part of it is like people comparing this to scream and saying oh this is on the level of scream level of meadow meta horror i'm like man no it's not okay I, first off get nothing why is on it. the level of scream no uh, like i love this movie but nothing is on the level of scream there's a movie i talked about already that i think is close but it's not Are you talking tucker and dale it's not like i love scream, tucker and dale but... too but i just don't think i just don't yeah. think anything has come close to touching scream and what it did mm-hmm. um so the end of this movie uh I know we're just kind of jumping around, but there's yeah, not a lot fine. that there's not a lot that happens in the second act that no. besides the Hemsworth scene, right? Yeah, and yeah, because for me that's death the biggest is really lore. kind of because he just gets stabbed through the neck while he's driving the RV. Mm-hmm. It's kind of anticlimactic. I do like the like the 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 sex scene where they're like controlling the pheromones in the air and everything, and they have to like she has to take her top off or else the sacrifice doesn't work and that kind of thing. Like, I think that that's a very, you're like, you're in the control room being the void. Like every teenage, I mean, you were a teenage boy. Mm -hmm. Like there were a lot of times that we picked movies because they had nudity in them. Like the Friday 13th series. yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like sometimes Horror movies were just literally a chance to see boobs and some blood, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, like, taking that aspect of it, of, like, horror fandom, the horror genre, and, like, putting you in an uncomfortable voyeuristic seat where you're, like, you feel kind of gross watching that scene play out because you're watching it with people who are controlling it and not giving like it's it's such a it's such a weird scene cuz it's like it's funny but it's also very disturbing it's very like and the whole premise of this movie is very disturbing like oh my god because it, 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 when i was rewatching this i was rewatching it with maria and she she's kind of like you i think she she likes it but it's not like a oh i love that i'm mm-hmm. going to put that on anytime um she said like i don't even know if it's disturbing because there are people like doing this i think it's disturbing because if you put yourselves in their shoes you do the same thing like if i were in that control room and i knew that an evil god was gonna come destroy everything if i didn't make these two people have sex and get killed i think i'd still do it and i'm like yeah that is the terrifying thing, isn't it? Like, it is like a deeply uncomfortable watch, especially in that scene, because you're like, oh, like, I wouldn't I wouldn't do this differently. But you, you have that, like, moral compass where you're like, especially in the character of, like, the security guard who's new, he's still, like, very much kind of iffy on all of it. Um, I don't know. I just think it's, I think the control room stuff is just fascinating. I I love the I love the 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 sex scene and how it kind of like flips it on its head where where 
it, it, it feels, it feels sleazy and not a good way, but it's that way by design. I don't know. It's just, it's, it, it, it inceptioned me, man. That's, that's what it did. Yeah. This movie's like inception. I'm just Killian Murphy and this movie's Leo DiCaprio just fucking with my brain. This movie is inception. It just puts you to sleep. Um, <laughs> No, uh, one of my favorite parts in the second half uh, of this movie, and I think it's maybe my favorite commentary on horror, is that you have all the other countries trying to make sacrifices too, and it's the Japan one where no one dies and they defeat the evil, and I'm like... And turn it into a happy frog. (laughs) Yeah, I'm like, that is so accurate because like no one dies in like Japanese horror movies. Yep. Yep. Oh man, I I know. I love it's watching super funny. all of the all of the different um screens when they kind of give you a glimpse at like the different different types. Like there's yeah. like some atomic horror and some creature features and stuff and I'm like I like I know that they they've said like oh we'd never make a sequel to Cabin in the, like it'd be hard obviously. Like you can't make a sequel to this movie. But I would love to see some like alternate perspectives of like different, yeah, like a, a web, different control a web rooms. series or a, a yeah. Netflix 10 part series that are 20 minutes long about all the other monsters yeah and where stuff. it's kind of like sending up sending up the different uh different cultures and like what their horror tropes are because horror is very different from mm-hmm. country to country and i think it'd be cool to do something like oh we do have like a japanese ghost story we have an italian giallo type of I, I just, I don't know. I think that would be really cool. I think it would. I mean, can you imagine like the Indonesian one? Oh my God. That one would be terrifying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah, I love all the references in the second act of this movie. Well, third act, I guess. When we get, when, when shit starts to hit the fan, you get like this. The Cenobite know, from like Wish. Their Hel- yeah, their Hellraiser <laughs> pinhead character you get like the twins from the shining yeah it's uh almost oh, like a ballerina silent hill. with the teeth face mm-hmm. yeah god and the so, werewolf the werewolf jump scare always gets me like i know it's coming but it's still like when he comes out of the dark it's like jesus mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah all right uh the ending I don't know. I don't have, I don't have much else. Dump. Yeah. Um, I don't have much else to say about it. I wish Marty was the only one that survived, and I wish it was just him smoking out of his mug to end the movie. Yeah. I don't that was know. It. I do like the I do like the idea and the imagery of two characters who've just been through hell and they know the world's about to end, and they're in this like big underground temple thing that's starting to collapse, and they're just like we're going to share a joint and just talk about what a bug fuck weekend this was. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and that's how the movie ends. Like they smoke a joint and the world ends. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I don't know. To me, that's just like a chef's kiss ending, but that's also like, I don't know. That's how I'd end a horror movie. That's 100% how I'd end a horror movie. But All right, I get you- it. What, what what would you give this movie, Sam? I fluctuate between four and five stars. I think I gave it five stars on this last one. Probably not a five-star movie, but I just love it. I really do. 
What'd you give it? Because I didn't even look at your letterbox. I gave it a I gave it a three. Three out of five. Okay. Yeah, we're kind of just we're the middle fairly... middle of the road for me. Yeah, I get that. I think we're gonna be fairly flip floppy on on like oh, yeah. these movies. Yeah, <laughs> All right. Uh our second movie from uh ten years earlier, two thousand two, and maybe the most two thousand two movie to ever two thousand and two. Cabin yeah. Fever, uh the director feature directorial debut of Eli Roth. Um who is in two different roles in this movie two different roles within two minutes of each other which yeah it was so funny in my notes um, i was like i i went like ooh, fun eli roth cameo <laughs> and then i wrote like maybe one other note and then it was like oh second and- <laughs> eli roth cameo <laughs> yeah I, he uh, likes to cameo yeah he does um I don't know what Tarantino saw saw in him in this movie to be like, yeah, Inglorious Bastards. <laughs> uh, He's actually pretty good in that movie, though. I think. oh, he is, he is, yeah. Here though, uh, he's just playing. Oh God, a, a version he's... of Eli Roth. Yeah, but uh, do you remember the first time you watched this movie? Because I, I don't, but I remember the first time I watched it. I really liked it. And that was probably seven, eight, nine years ago. I didn't remember a okay. whole lot besides bits and pieces until I rewatched it for for this. So this movie came out on DVD like right around the time I was really starting to get invited over to like friends' houses where we'd just be watching horror movies all night. Like we'd all spend the night in a friend's basement and we watch horror movies from dusk until dawn. And at that time, I did not like horror. Like, I was not a horror kid. I was scared of everything. Um, and I remember this movie starting and it being like, oh, wow, like, all these characters are, like, using, like, really shitty language and, and stuff. And I, I was just kind of, like, taken aback by it. And then it got really gross and it got to the leg scene and I'm pretty sure I cut out at that point. Like, I'm pretty sure I was like, no, I can't finish this. I can't do it. So I probably went upstairs and like raided the fridge for munchies. Um, or just ironically enough, got out my game boy advance, which makes an appearance in the first like three minutes of this movie. <laughs> I was like, but, uh, but yeah, I, I remember thinking like, wow, that's a really gross movie. I don't ever want to watch that again. And I haven't watched it since then. I'd seen like clips and stuff, you know, and because uh, I watch Eli Ross History of Horror and I'm pretty sure like clips of this are featured pretty heavily on one of those episodes. But um, yeah, the leg scene always stuck with me. So when you were like, let's do Cabin Fever, I was like, I'll give it another shot. I doubt I'm going to like it very much. I liked it a lot more than I was expecting to be honest, dude. Like I, I'm not going to lie. I kind of vibed with this one. Um, I don't think it all holds up, but what does hold up? It's pretty fucking stellar. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So, so yeah, that's kind of my history for, with it. For, for this movie coming out in 2002 and being Eli Ross first movie, I still think it's my favorite Eli Roth. Um, I just like the fact that 
this movie pays homage to so much that came before it. Everything that yes. Eli Roth talks about in like history of horror, and and uh, I think the thing I love most about Eli Roth is not him as a writer or a director; it's him as an advocate for horror. Yeah, one hundred percent. His biggest strength, and he's the reason I wa- I I got into Fulci, especially, is because of Eli Roth. Uh, Italian horror, like he's the guy that opened me up to that. He's big into that stuff. He is. And there's so many influences to that in this in this movie here that I didn't catch mm. the first time I watched it. Because I you know, by the time I watched this for the first time, I wasn't I had no idea like Fulci, Argento, anything like that. Um yeah. I kind of knew like the baseline of like by then I had obviously seen like Chainsaw Massacre and Evil Dead, and there's big references to those in this movie too but watching it this time if this feels like a 2002 italian horror movie and it's kind of weird to see those things kind of intermingled um the dialogue does not hold up in this the acting's Um, pretty bad too (laughs) yeah the acting isn't great um i think there's a lot of funny performances though in this movie yeah one in particular unintentionally but yeah (laughs) Yeah, I'm curious to hear your thoughts. Maybe we should just go through each character because I think the characters in this movie, compared to the last movie, where I'm like, I only care about one of you. Most everyone in this one, I'm like, God, you have something weird going on in this. I don't I, agree would, with that. But you yeah. and I probably definitely don't agree with that. But there's at least. Yeah. Two, there's more than that because there's so many weird side characters in this movie there's a there bunch is. of there's a bunch of characters that i i gravitate towards in this movie it's it's uh, not just like a cronenberg like body horror movie it's also very much like a toby hooper you're in the backwoods with a bunch <laughs> of fucking rednecks movie and those redneck if the disease doesn't kill you those rednecks sure as hell will mm-hmm. like I mean, literally, there's a scene. There's a scene in this movie that's straight out of Romero's original Night of the Living Dead. Mm-hmm. Like one of the characters literally has the exact same fate. He's like, "Oh, I made it!" He yeah. runs out onto the porch, gets fucking shot, and thrown on a burn pile. Like <laughs> but Jesus! The, but it's a completely <laughs> different tone than that. It is. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. So funny. Um, it's like it's like he, it's like Eli Roth was like taking notes on Romero, going. But what if I played that really dark concept for laughs? <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's a, and I'm yeah. There's a ton of Toby and Toby Hooper in this movie. There's, oh yeah. There's the Texas Chainsaw Massacre shot in this movie. Mm-hmm. It doesn't fit where he puts it. No, but it's it's there, and you obviously know where the reference comes from when he when he does it. There's a lot of like Fulci Argento camera work in this too, especially when you get the 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 girlfriend's face. Yeah, that's that's straight up a Italian horror yep. movie scene right there. Uh, so like, okay, plot of this movie is the same as the last one. Group of teenagers go to a cabin in the woods. It's the same plot as any other cabin in the woods movie. What sort of sets this movie apart right away? I think is introducing all the is coo- the N word. <laughs> <laughs> The bad I like the payoff to that. Oh, okay. So it's so my funny. last my last note that I have, I'm not even kidding, dude, is what the fuck is that ending? 
because <laughs> it's so weird. I'm, mm-hmm. It's funny. It's funny as hell, but I'm like, what? Like, that's what you chose to end your like yeah. body horror redneck horror movie. <laughs> yeah, the 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 old the old hermit who owns the 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 local convenience store that they're buying their their booze from, which happens in every cabin in the woods type of movie, yep. um, just drops like at, like they ask questions like where who's the fox pissed for, and like he's like yeah. the foxes. Well, who's that gun for? And he drops the n bomb. Yeah. Like, oh, oh, okay. This guy's racist, and that's all right. Race, racist, backwoods, redneck, right yep. there. The payoff at the end, which is the final after, scene of like, this movie. Yeah, it's just after everything else. Like you've forgotten all about the racist um, <laughs> store owner. Yeah. And I don't know the the this this. <laughs> I don't know how many is it? Like two or three people walk in. Yeah, yeah, just like two or three, two or three two or three people of color walk in and, and they drop the end bomb to him and he responds with hey what's up and i'm like what yep. <laughs> only in and 2002 he, he gives, does this joke happen he gives them the gun mm-hmm. and they walk out with the gun and it's like oh my god that's hilarious like it's really funny but it's also like did you make this whole movie just to make that joke? Like, what? That's the thing you want to send your audience home on? It just, I don't know, man. It was, it wrinkled my brain a little bit. Mm-hmm. What also wrinkled my brain every time I watch this movie uh, is when Ryder Strong, who is the main character of this, Sean Hunter himself um, from Boy Meets World, uh, he sits down next to this. I don't know. He's just a he's a strange looking kid. He has a very particular look to him. Oh yeah, the biting kid. And he bites him out of nowhere. And the dad gets mad at Ryder Strong. Yes. And it's not the only time in this movie that the kid bites someone and the dad gets mad at them for for getting biting them. And the second time, like the the person doesn't even go up to the kid. The kid goes to the person. The second time, not only he doesn't just go up to the person, he does like Mac from It's Always yeah. Sunny karate moves in slow motion to go up to him. What? Yeah. What is that? It's so weird. It's so like, funny. Roth is just, I forgot how funny Roth is. Mm-hmm. Like, I have not watched anything of his except for house with a clock in its walls and i can't even tell you how long like i don't even know if i saw a knock knock um i don't think i did i don't know i think i might have started it at one point but like watching this for the first time in like in god knows how many years i was like this is like a really funny movie this is like mm-hmm. actually hilarious I forgot how fucking funny Eli Roth was. Because he is. Like, he is. Every, I mean, and the, I think some he, of the characters are grating, and I think some of his attempts at humor fall flat. But when he nails it, like, it's really funny. It's really funny. It's very kooky funny. Um, yeah. But it's also very smart at some, at some points. Like, the character we talked about uh, at the end that gets, you know, gets the Night of the Living Dead fate, 
his mm-hmm. his his whole thing is that so he he's in a relationship with one of the girls and, yep. and Ryder Strong's the other the other guy trying to get into a relationship with a girl he's been friends with for a long time and then there's just the the jock burnout oh, I hate that Trump. guy he's awful um, I wish he was the first one dead like honestly but that guy and uh kind of like the the main blonde guy at the end of the movie yeah um they make this bet at the beginning of the movie of they can only drink beer the entire time they're on this trip. And it's the yeah. reason it's the reason why they don't get sick at, <laughs> until they start drinking the water because this movie is a kind of a pandemic type of movie. It's yep. It's about getting this disease and having it deform your body and deteriorate deteriorate it very quickly. Um, yeah and it's because of this contaminated water near the cabin that they're staying at and i just love the fact that the one character survives the whole movie because he's drinking beer yeah i think it's very funny it is pretty funny it's yeah and it, it is it's got like clever moments like that and then the jock guy starts yelling that someone's a, a, a slut and i'm just like what huh why why is this even in the movie like they don't give him a satisfying enough death to where like because does he even die oh yeah he dies what is what what happens with him uh he gets his head blown off that's right that's right never mind okay he does okay never mind never mind he gets god i took notes and i couldn't remember that yeah okay okay that's right the the part where this movie maybe gets a little too kooky and Eli Rothy for me is when they're when all having the bald cap. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> it's where where Ryder Strong is telling the story of this bowling alley he used to visit as a kid. You don't like that scene? I don't I don't love it. No. Really? It feels a oh. bit like oh Eli Roth has this idea for a horror movie. What's a weird campfire story I can tell in it? And I don't know. I liked it enough, but I kind of wish it paid off into the rest of the movie too. I don't know. Yeah, I get that. It it reminds me a little bit of the uh, the Stand By Me scene with the pie eating contest, yeah. where it's just like kind of a throwaway sequence that's just that adds humor. Um, I. I love the bowling story. I had forgotten about that. And when that started happening, I was like, oh shit. Yeah. I remember like, I remember the head coming up in the ball return and mm-hmm. thinking that was a really funny gag. Um, and uh, yeah, that, I actually, that, that might be, that might've been my favorite scene in the whole movie, to be honest with you. I, I liked it a lot. So, but yeah, it's, it's definitely, a little jarring and very tonally different than the rest of the movie so mm-hmm. i get it i get it yeah as soon as we see eli, eli ross decapitated head roll into a a ball return no more yeah. than two minutes later does he show up with a horrible 2002 goatee and uh playing the character of grim being the yep. most 2002 bumping prob- probably bumping limp biscuit on his on his way over <laughs> with a giant bag of weed or system of a down he definitely has the surge look doesn't he yeah yeah Yeah. so 
even before the Eli Roth cameos, though, I noticed. I was like, this is, this is the thing I wrote right before Eli Roth cameo bald cap. I wrote progressive sex scene for 2003 dot 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 pegging. Yeah. yeah. I was like, hey, hey, yeah. Yeah. Good for one, good for this movie. <laughs> one thing Kayla is like, that's why I because Kayla loves this movie. Like yeah. absolutely loves it. And she's like, that's one 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 reason of uh, many is that scene because it's like, oh, it's not just this normal oh it's a horror movie sex scene. It's like Yeah. Oh, they <laughs> actually threw it, the guy like flips over. Yeah. It's like I'm like, well, goddamn, yeah. Like I and it's not it's not even like played for laughs. It's just literally how those characters yeah. are. I'm just like, that's fucking cool, man. Like, hell yeah. We need more of that. We need mm-hmm. more of that. So, I don't yeah. know. Yeah, I just thought I just thought that was a good note to to add to the conversation. Okay. So, okay. Obviously, the nasty hermit shows up, and that's where shit starts to go down. Yeah. This is where everybody's starting, you know, get sick. They beat him up. They shoot him. They, <laughs> they light him on fire. fire. <laughs> <laughs> they destroy their car. They destroy the car that they use to to get there. Um. I'm just trying to get to the next morning because that's when my favorite character shows up in this movie. Winston the cop. Yes. Oh God. The creepy cop who's like turban on him and you don't understand him at all. He pretty much immediately as he shows up, he's like, All right, man, it's all good. I'm on your side. We're gonna catch yeah. this guy. And it's like, Are you on their side? Are you actually a cop? He's Is that a fake he's badge? Weird. And even by the end of the movie, you still don't fully understand this guy. But well, he's, inter- he's literally partying with high schoolers <laughs> in the third act of this movie when like the when when yeah. they find him. He's literally drinking beer with a bunch of like I mean, I'm pretty sure they straight up say it's high school age kids. Yeah. And I'm like, because he's there oh to, to break up an underage party and he's drinking. Yeah. With them. Yeah. And he's just sitting there like sipping forties with them. I'm like, God, this guy's creepy. He is. But it's just, I, <laughs> I love yeah. the introduction of him. Cause he rolls up. We don't know this right away, but we have like a five minute scene with him where they're explaining like what happened and what's going on. And he's like, yeah, everything's cool. Just go inside and part. You're the party man. And yeah. I love that. That's what he calls him though. <laughs> the party man. Um, yeah, like when the girl goes back inside and or goes outside, and he just like he just calls from out there. He's like, "Oh, you just go back in and you start smoking that weed." And like she's just looking at him like, "What are you doing?" Like, <laughs> but the best part is that he leaves on a bicycle. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So maybe he's just the crazy Ralph character of this story. But he's a cop. By the end of the movie, you find yeah. out he's an actual. You find cop. out he's an actual cop. Yeah. But it's like, why is he riding a bike? Unless there? it's like his like drunk uncle on the other end of the walkie-talkie. No, he's he's with the cops at the end of the movie. Oh yeah, that's right. God damn. Yeah, it makes no sense, right? It's hilarious though. Yeah. Well, and that's another note I had. I was like, this plot seems like overly complicated. Oh times. yeah. It's like he's it's very clear that like eli roth is doing his first feature Mm -hmm. and he's like oh but i love this and i love this and he's pulling from so many different things Mm -hmm. like uh, i yeah i put somewhere i was like 
This is as flavors of like Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Friday the 13th. Like the first act is pretty much the first four Friday the 13th setups, you know, a uh, little bit of Evil Dead in there, mm-hmm. Piranha even with like yeah. the water supply and Night of the Living Dead, obviously. And that's not even counting like all the Italian films that like there's there's so much packed into this movie. And I think mm-hmm. that's part of what kind of charmed me like i'm a sucker Mm -hmm. for movies that aren't perfect but go for broke and this movie's one of those like i i genuinely feel like i rewatched it i really liked it i think on further rewatches i'm gonna like this one even more like i feel like this one's just gonna keep growing for me and now i'm really interested to go back and see some of the other roth movies that i haven't watched in a while like Hostel, because that's mm-hmm. another one where I was like, God, I remember just thinking that one was really dark and gross and I didn't like it. But I'm like, now I feel like I need to watch Hostel and Hostel 2 again because I really, really liked Cabin Fever. The interesting thing is I can't think of another Eli Roth movie that has this tone. Yeah. Because Hostel does not at all. I was about to say, Hostel is a darker one. Straightforward. um, Yeah. Straightforward horror movie. Same Green Green Inferno is is a straightforward cannibal horror movie. A little bit of the Eli Roth comedy, but it doesn't mix well with cannibalism. cannibalism. Uh, I really really want you to watch House of the Clock in its wall sometime soon. Because that one... I, I don't know. I'll just be interested to hear your thoughts because they're definitely like it's an Eli Roth movie in that it's like it's very punk rock. It's very raw. Even even though he's doing an Amblin movie, there's still like Eli Rothisms about it. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. he it's a kid's movie, but he doesn't really sand his edges down for it, I don't think. Um and it's just a fascinating movie. I really like it. And I think Jack Black and Kate Blanchett um just put in really good performances. I'd say I'd say this is like Cabin Fever for me, uh right now, just by default, is kind of my second favorite Raw. Because House of the Clock and its Walls is probably my favorite. I, I really like that one. And I I'm wish gonna, he I'm gonna transition us back to another scene yes. that I just need to hear your Sorry. thoughts on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, two, two in particular involving the female characters. Okay. One you alluded to already the the yes. leg shaving scene. The shaving scene. Which I remember that, but now watching it, I'm like, why does she continue to shave? Yeah, it doesn't make a lot of sense story wise. Like, why would she continue? Um, I also feel like I remember, like, I remember, like. Skin peeling, peeling off, yeah. and that didn't happen. It's just she shaved, and the the cream went back to reveal that there was just sore and sickness over the leg. And I was like, "Oh, that's not as bad as I remember it being," but it still kind of gives me that like gross vibe. So, like, I wonder if that's more like a, a Roth, like he didn't have the budget to do a better special effect but he wanted to do something and he knew that the audience's brain would fill it in Mm -hmm. because it's such a weird like when i watched it again 
I was getting so ready to close my eyes. And then I'm like, oh, this isn't quite as like graphic as I remember it being. And it's a little bit like that first Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie where, I mean, it's not totally like that because Eli Roth shows you a lot in this movie. But it doesn't show quite as much as I thought it had. Like, I feel like my brain definitely was filling in gaps way back when 11 year old me watched this in a friend's basement you know yeah so. i think i think the special effects hold up really well it's just i, oh, yeah. I kind of remember it like you do too i just maybe got mixed up with something else but like the special yeah. effects in this are great the, was it KNB oh effects, god yeah you know uh nicotero's team behind this mm-hmm. like this is great stuff and that's definitely one of them that sticks out to me um, well, and the the leg scene with like, because the way the makeup is, it's almost like there are like holes like punched mm-hmm. into her skin, and you get real close ups of that. And I don't feel like you get that on any other person. Like that's a specific like to that scene kind of makeup design, and it gets me, man. Like holes and like, oh, like mm-hmm. pockmarked and crater. Like oh, that stuff gets me. So, like, it didn't need to have the peeling skin. It still was effective. I just remember it being a little more graphic than it was. Uh, the other scene uh, involves uh, Ryder Strong's character in bed with the, the girl he likes. Oh, yeah. And it's it's probably the Which one? The one where he's... Scene? The one where he's feeling her up while she's like still kind of have yeah i hate yeah. that scene i do too because i th- think it's it reminded off as romantic yeah and it is not it is rapey yeah it reminds me a little bit of like i love creep show too i love the raft segment there's one part of the raft yep. segment and it's that where i'm just like why even have that why is that in there and that's kind of how i felt about mm-hmm. this scene like, I get that it's there to, like, all of a sudden, like, oh, he notices that her leg has sickness on it. And, like, More oh, God. Her leg. Well, yeah, yeah. It's like, she's, she's, she's got pretty bad yeast infection. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, uh, no, I, yeah, I don't like that scene. Um, and then I think it's really weird that they just have another sex scene later after he like kills his girlfriend or maybe before right before he kills his girlfriend where no it's like when the, they, the other... they they are brutally mean and just lock her out in like a barn yeah 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 and then you have then... this the dog that keeps going after everyone yeah. too again Eli Roth is really just throwing everything at the dartboard of this yes movie. and I think yeah. most Nine times out of ten, it works. Um, at least for me, this yes. feels like a buffet of horror movies I love, and kind of the tropes of them all mixed together. And I think for the most yeah. part, it works. But there are just little bits that I'm like, eh. This didn't this to me feels kind of like in. a movie that's very similar to like My Soul to Take, where Wes Craven is taking a lot of the things that he's done from his from his like entire career. So like, it's very much like a the Wes Craven thing is more of a, I'm going to replay all my greatest hits. Eli Roth's stuff here is I'm going to replay like all my favorite, Mm -hmm. like director's greatest hits. And I like that kind of energy. It it never, it doesn't necessarily make up for like completely cohesive viewing experience, but 
you're right. It's like an all-you-can-eat buffet of horror tropes, mm-hmm. and it's just kind of fun. I don't know. Like I, I was caught off guard by how much I, I genuinely liked this movie. Um, I think I'm only gonna like it more with time too. Mm-hmm. I really like. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad. Uh, I'm glad you talked me into finally giving this one a second chance. <laughs> Yeah, I had a blast watching it. Again, the the Night of the Living Dead take at the end where the character that, again, like I said, is only drinking beer, doesn't drink the water, pays off that. It's such a great payoff to that. And it totally So works. fucking pumped that he was the only survivor. <laughs> and it's so great because he's walking in and he has this white cloth that he's been using the entire movie covering his mouth. Um yep to to not get sick and he's walking through the house and sees all the carnage that's happened in the cabin and it's like the, the look on his face is like oh my god i can't believe this like one of my friend's head is blown off my girlfriend is scattered everywhere but it's the yep. fact that he walks out of the cabin and it's like i survived like he's so happy yep. he survived and, and then they like almost shot. they like platoon him he's like he's got the like charlie sheen thing going Uh it's like oh god it's great so funny it really is um do you have any other thoughts um i i love the shot of like the kids getting the water for the lemonade stand and just the slow pan over to like Ryder strong's Mm -hmm. like close to dead body just floating in the river downstream Mm -hmm. i'm like oh man that kind of stuff that gets me that that like the contaminated water stuff is really nasty and there's, i yeah there, there's one thing we need to talk about i, I almost forgot about it mm, it's okay. where they where the high schoolers are having this party and Ryder yeah. strong shows up and he's sick and he's covered in blood and yep. he's starting to freak everyone out because uh winston the cop is supposed to shoot him on site but he can't because he's the party man um, yep. and all these kids are like, shoot him shoot him and stuff starts to go down they all start freaking out one of them somehow swallows a harmonica <laughs> and, what and you don't remember this oh my god how did i miss that one of them is playing a harmonica and they swallow it and it ends up in their throat and you can see it this special effect of a harmonica in their throat and you hear them like opening their mouth and it like wheezes like a harmonica sound Bro, was I just like writing a note when that happened? Because Jesus Christ, I feel like I would Did remember we watch, that. Is there different cuts of this movie? I don't. I don't know. I don't know. I, don't know. I must have just looked away for a sec. Is it a? Is it a pretty quick scene? They show him a couple times. What the fuck? Mm-hmm. I watched that. I watched. Oh my god! I don't know. You're gonna have to watch it again. I'm gonna have to watch it again. I'm not gonna complain about having to watch it again. I probably will throw this on it, especially since you know some guy, some guy swallows a harmonica. (laughs) Yeah, especially since some guy swallows a harmonica. I can't miss that. Super funny, but yeah, that's all. God, that's that's so dope. Last bit, I I, I thought we better bring up. Yeah, Uh, this movie is four four out of five for me. I I, like I said, my favorite Roth. um, Totally, totally worked and upon rewatch. So I, I gave it a three on the on my rewatch. I'm thinking I might have to bump it up to three and a half just because like it's more than a three star for me. I like the further out I've gotten from it, the more I'm even like I liked it when I was watching it. 
but I haven't really been able to stop thinking about it for a while. Like, I'm like, God, that was just like, it was so much fun. Mm-hmm. I didn't remember it being that much fun. And now I'm kind of like, I really want to watch this one again. Soon. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I look forward to rewatching this and actually catching the guy swallowing the harmonica. I have no idea how I missed <laughs> that dude. Like, what the fuck? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, all right, Sam, are you ready to uh, to get out of this cabin? Yeah, yeah. This all was right. a fun episode, though. Oh my god this this I, was a like, this was a ton of fun. We're 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 climbing up the steps of the cellar of the the Evil Dead cabin. We're gonna make our way. The sun is the sun is rising. We're reaching the end. Some deadites are probably gonna run through the forest and smack us in the face, but we're, we're or a group there. of hillbillies is gonna show up and just shoot us in the head and then burn us all. Yeah. <laughs> burn us on a pile <laughs> mm-hmm. or we're gonna go bowling with our hillbilly friend too who knows yeah. maybe we'll have that ending i don't know um but let, yeah let's wrap this thing up yeah. uh thank yeah. you all for <laughs> for listening um and hopefully you enjoyed the show um and hopefully you uh enjoyed our announcement way back at the top of the show that caroline williams yeah super con in september here in sioux falls so super stoked to talk about uh, that finally let it out into the world uh yeah. sam sam yeah should we plug should we plug some stuff let's let's plug some stuff all right well I, uh, i'll i won't i won't fuck it up this time all right you got it you got it okay you can watch our listen to our podcast you already messed any, up. Okay. I already messed up. You can you can watch or listen to our podcast on any kind of podcast platform. We're on YouTube, Spotify, Anchor, uh, Apple, Google Play, right? We're on yeah. all those. Yeah. We're on all those. Just wherever you get your podcasts, just search Screams from the Basement. We're here. We're ready to entertain you with our horror nonsense and shenanigans. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you want more than just the podcast, even, you can follow us on social media. We've got some cool things planned. We'd like to hear from you guys. Like, send us stuff in the comments or DM us or, you know, like, email us. Tell us we're wrong about a movie or we're right about a movie. And uh, we might be doing a mail segment sometime soon. Uh, I don't know. We've got an idea for a mail segment that would be fun. So uh, definitely give us shout-outs on our socials, uh, and you might get read on the show. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You just search Screams from the Basement on any of those platforms. You should be good. Um, our Twitter handle is a little weird. It's S-O-S-F-T-B-Pod. Yeah. S-F-T-B-Pod. So, yeah. Otherwise, just search Screams from the Basement. We should pop up everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Did I catch everything? Did I make everything? That's it. I redeemed myself from yesterday or from last episode when i was like huh? <laughs> follow me on letterbox <laughs> you nailed it sam uh yeah screens from the basement just hit hit the google machine and you'll you'll find yeah. all our stuff That's you'll find all our stuff you'll find it um it's all on the google yeah it's there it's on the google machine um yeah i think that's it i don't think we have anything else to to plug or throw out there so uh thank you yeah. all for listening this has been a blast um how, how are we going to end this one, Sam? I don't know. We should s- actually come up with a good sign-off. We should? <laughs> because we're kind of just dragging this out. Yeah, we are. Um, I'll I'll just leave us leave us with uh, just 
have a have a good good time be good to each other yeah. have a good time have good, and be good to each other yeah have a good time be good to each it's other good message and uh watch horror movies you're listening to the prescribed films podcast network home to hundreds of hours of free podcast entertainment the shows on this network all have a common goal providing you with the best discussions about movies and other forms of entertainment media. The PFPN hopes to fill your ear holes with audio joy. Visit our website with links to all the other amazing shows at www.thepfpn.com. Thanks for listening.